when I when people understood when I did my Homestar Runner impression and didn't think I was being offensive. Uh, I'm gonna be honest with you. That is the worst three thousand dollars I've ever spent. <laughs> What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Two Woke Nerds Podcast. It's been a minute. We had some weird scheduling things. I had a weird nose surgery. Raymond and I couldn't get our schedules lined up, such is life. But we're back. We've got uh, a packed show for you because we've kind of missed some stuff, so we're here. Um, we're going to talk a little bit of Captain Marvel, a little bit of Avengers, a little bit of Game of Thrones, a little bit of Crimes of Grindelwald. But before all of that, I want to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a ton get the show out there from wherever you found it. Uh, you can also subscribe and share us with your friends, whether it's Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn. We are there. So please subscribe, share it with your friends. Again, we'd love to have you as part of the family. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week. Like I am anytime we do this show, we'll get more regular at some point when life slows down, but I'm joined by my good friend, a man who has constructed his own painted table in his living room, Raymond Summerlin. Ray, how are you doing, bud? That's right. And then, and then out of, out of, um, camaraderie, I set it on fire. Yeah. Just like they did, just like they did in the teaser trailer, the most useless teaser trailer I think that I have ever seen, like they can, they can't even call this a teaser. They didn't tease anything. They said, hey, these things that we showed were going to happen on the final shots of of the last season are going to happen. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. First of all, I want to thank the first responders for keeping Raymond's house from burning down in this whole <laughs> uh, in this whole deal. But yeah, there there is uh, it, it, this is barely something we could even use to open the show as a joke. Uh, but you, we got a Game of Thrones season, whatever. Uh, what, what season are we on? Eight? Nine? Eight? I want to say eight. Eight-ish? Eight, nine? I'm not sure which one it is. Somebody, it's one of them. Somebody listening is absolutely screaming at us. Um, it's a number. It is a we're number. We're pretty sure it's a number. Season eight. Season eight. We got it right. Okay, we're yeah. good to go. The title of the, tr- uh, the teaser was Dragonstone. So that's a thing. Just throwing that out there. Don't know if that has any. That's where the painted table is. Yeah, that's that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm Raymond. I'm searching for significance here. I'm really, <laughs> really digging. So let's do a brief description. So we get the painted table. We get ice spreading from the left side, encompassing the the kind of figurine of a direwolf. Obviously, the Starks and Winterfell in the north. We also see a dragon encased in ice, which we've seen happen. The uh, Night King took one of the dragons. We saw that happen. Coming from the other end of the table, we see the Lannister lion engulfed in flames, which is another thing we saw happen at the end of the last season where uh, King's Landing was burned, uh, presumably like Nero in Rome, uh, Mad King and whatnot. So, yeah, and then they meet in the middle and some stuff comes up from it, and then we get a date that it's coming out in April. What, like... Yay! <laughs> So the Lannisters are going to be opposed to everybody else. That's about all I've got from that. That's about all I'm able to gather from this this teaser. Yeah, Winterfell's going to get overrun. I mean, but like I said, if you looked at the last shot of season seven, that was uh, patently clear that that was going to happen. So I guess it'll be a question of do the do the Starks themselves get out in time? I would have to assume they do. 
yeah, I there's nothing. Like there's literally, literally nothing here. It is uh, it, there's there's not much of anything. I, the fire is interesting because it you know it it could mean a couple things, but I mean, like it could mean like that's those are the the seven suns showing up, but like who like who knows? Like it's all just. It's it's a whole bag of nothing. I mean, yeah, it is a song of ice and fire, and we've presumed for the longest time that the ice and fire were John and Daenerys, but the fire is coming from what would presumably be the south, and yeah. it's engulfing the Lannisters, so there's nothing here. Uh, so I guess we can move on, and we'll talk uh, Captain Marvel next. I feel like that's... That feels like the logical sure. – we can do a logical progression of how they came out. So we honestly planned on doing the show like a week ago because we thought there was going to be an Avengers trailer come out on Friday or you know earlier in the week, whatever. Didn't happen, so the Avengers trailer got pushed back a little bit um, due to the, the funeral of George H.W. Bush, which I appreciate that is generally the, the consensus on why it got pushed back is that reason um, it would have – dropped in the middle or right around his funeral and that would have been awkward uh so anywho captain marvel we'll start there um we got an expansion of some scenes we saw in the teaser uh we saw the bus fight i didn't know if it was going to be a weird just her punching old lady and stuff happens or if the old lady would punch back find out old lady punches back uh we see some conversations with her and jude law who is on the surface playing marvell but we also there are rumors that he's playing someone else that we probably will be revealed. I mean, there's going to be a lot of that in this movie. I have to say that Jude Law on a talk show, I don't remember which one, when I was watching one of his interviews on a talk show and he said that he can't even reveal the name of his character. Yeah. Which says a lot. It does. It does for sure. So we got him giving the you're not as strong as you think thing, which kind of cements him as a villain. Um that anybody that says that is generally either a villain or a villain in disguise, which he's probably both. Uh, we got a little bit of her background. The Cree made her, they infused her with what looks like Cree blood, the blue blood situation happening. There's, there's a bit of depth here, but Ray, did you take anything new away from this trailer at all? Not really. No, like it seemed to be just like, it went a little deeper on the beats that we've already hit, which I get because like, there's not too much that you want them to give away in the trailer. And I think the problem I'm going to have with this movie, and it's, it's a problem that has started to develop for me is that I don't know if I care because all I think about is in game. We now know it's called in game. I think we called that on this podcast actually, but we now know it's called in game. Like that's all that really matters. So like this feels just like, I don't know. It feels like filler. It feels like busy work almost a little bit. And that's not to say anything about the quality of the movie, which might be very good. It's got you know, great people in it. And so I'm not, I'm not really judging the movie. It's just like the timing of it and the way they've decided to do it makes it seem, makes it seem like filler. But I don't know if there was any other timing that they could do, assuming that Captain Marvel is going to play the role we expect she's going to play in Endgame. So it's, it's kind of like a, it's just this weird, weird thing that it's kind of beyond their control, but it's not it's not the best timing for this movie, I don't think. Yeah, and it being so close in relation to Endgame, which it's weird calling it Endgame and not Avengers 4. That's weird. But yeah. this comes out at the beginning of March, and Endgame comes out at the end of April. So there's basically 
eight weeks between the two, which is, I think, the closest between Marvel releases we've ever had. So Black Panther and and Infinity War was pretty close. I'm gonna look that up. That that, but I think it was about the similar range. Uh, and of course, Black Panther. The, the thing that was fine about Black Panther is that Black Panther was like a phenomenon. Yeah, and so phenomena. Da, 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 da. And so <laughs> it was able to it was able to kind of like have pretty strong legs and even survive Infinity War. Is Captain Marvel going to be that? Like, I don't. I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's the timing just seems really weird to me. Yeah. So we, uh, it was a uh, February and April between black Panther and infinity. All right. So it's even, it was even farther. Yeah. So uh, yeah. And the weird, like black Panther was still in cinemas when infinity war came out, which is an interesting thing, but it's got to dovetail directly into what's going on in, in Endgame, like that's the thing. But the, if the stinger is not her answering a page, then what are we even doing here? Yeah, like like that has to be the stinger, right? I like that has to be the end of this movie. I would be surprised if it's anything other than that. Or you're gonna get two stingers because that's what Marvel does nowadays is you sure. know, two stingers. Except after Infinity War, which was fitting, um, you got I think you got one right. You just had the one. Um, I actually can't remember now. Yeah, I think it was just the one of him sending the page and that whole deal. But yeah, maybe there there are a couple of things. I think this is going to be a movie all, more along the lines of uh, Winter Soldier, and not. I'm not going to say it's going to be the quality of Winter Soldier because I've argued that Winter Soldier is my favorite and possibly the best MCU movie, and I still would argue that to this day. Um, but as far as the who's on what side and a lot of the intrigue that goes into it simply because you're dealing with a race of shape-shifting aliens. So that's part yeah. of it. You know, you've obviously got Ben Mendelsohn who's playing a villain who's also playing, he's playing a, he's credited as playing a scroll and a human. So, you know, there's going to be that whole dynamic happening. Um, and I, I just want to see like the journey of her waking up to the fact that the Kree are not this noble warrior hero race that she says they are uh, because anytime that you're indoctrinated to believe that someone is a noble warrior hero, generally they aren't. Huh? It's almost as if there's some real world application that you're talking about, about nationalism. Interesting. Well, it's, it's like Marvel movies have not shied away from these subjects in the last, I don't know, five years or so, basically when they realize that they can print money and say whatever they want. Uh, yeah, so it's that that to me is going to be the interesting thing about it, um, that conversation. So dovetailing right into that, a few days later, we got... Hold on, we didn't talk about the most important relationship in this entire trailer. Oh, excuse me. Sam and the cat. Yes. Who I hope is named Diane. <laughs> he is not. That is... The cat is not named that Diane, is, I wish. It should be. I wish. But that that is going to be like the, the biggest romance in Marvel history, I think. Uh, it's going to be... It, you could probably – I want to see the cut of this film. That's a romantic comedy between Sam Jackson and the cat. So the cat is – I would watch that. Hold on. I would watch that for sure. Yeah. There's not a question I would watch. That would that. be the first Blu-ray I've bought in five years is what that would be. <laughs> uh, no, so the uh, traditionally the cat is named Chewy for Chewbacca, um, but they changed it to fit more in line with the Top Gun theme so that the, the cat's name is Goose. Uh, yeah, which, 
you know, I like the name. Support. I hope I hope nothing bad happens to the cat because spoiler alert oh, yeah. for a thirty year old movie, Goose dies in a very horrific way. What? What? <laughs> very, very horrific. Yeah, they're making Top Gun too, by the they way. They really are. Tom Cruise did a weird it's video happening. telling people to change the settings on their TV from the set of Top Gun 2, which is just the weirdest thing in the world. Top Gun 2, baby. Yeah. So. Greatest song ever. Raymond, that was, that that took my breath away. Um, uh, there you go. Good job. Thanks. You're about to go into the danger zone. <laughs> All right. References aside, we took a hard left turn. So what presumably is going to dovetail directly into Avengers 4, which, side note, cool. I thought this was a cool thing. Like, we all had our conjecture. One of the biggest talking points was what's the name of this thing going to be? When Marvel tweeted out the trailer, they actually did not tweet it out with the subtitle. And then if you got on Twitter, any second after that tweet, it was spoiled for you. Uh, but, yeah. so... We got a trailer for Avengers 4. Come to find out, it's called Endgame, Avengers Endgame, which we called, I think a few other people called as well. Uh, They moved up the release date a few weeks into April, and we got a typical Avengers teaser where there's not really any plot revealed, but some moments very similar to the Infinity War uh, original teaser where you don't know what's going on, but your head's kind of exploding a little bit. That's where we first saw Cap catch a punch from Thanos, and I almost exploded. Uh, so it it opens on Tony Stark adrift in space on the on the Benatar, the remains of the Benatar, saying he's going to starve to death. He's running out of food. Side note. He ran out of food four days ago in Infinity War. Thor stole extra food from the Benatar. Just throwing that out there. A little Easter egg for you. Thor is the reason Tony Stark is going to starve to death, and he deserves it. No, So he's stranded in space on the Benatar. We get some shots of some of the aftermath of what in-universe is being called the Decimation. That's what the snap has been called in-universe. Uh, we see kind of a some screenshots. Some We see Bruce Banner going through who's missing and who's not missing. We see shots of Scott Lang in that. Shuri's on that list. Cap and Natasha having a conversation about what their plan is. You see uh, Natasha roll up on the artist formerly known as Hawkeye uh, doing his best Ronin impression with the Maul Ninja sword that he has. (laughs) Uh, Thanos giving you your best Maximus Decimus Meridius walking through the wheat fields and sepia tones. Uh, And then we get a Scott Lang sighting at the end. So, Ray, there's a, there's a lot to unpack in a trailer with not a lot in it. Uh, so where do we start? Yeah. Where, where do you want to start? Well, let's start at the top. Let's start with Stark because, I, I mean, that's obviously where they started. He's the most important character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I, I think that that's still true um, because, I mean, obviously the Cinematic Universe doesn't exist without him. I kind of like the idea of him dying alone in space <laughs> now that he's decided that he wants to be a family man and wants to that line that he delivers to pepper about how, you know, my last breath, I'll think of you or when I'm fading out, I'll be thinking of you. It was always you like that. Now that he's finally made that realization for him to die in space would be kind of poetic. So I, I would like to see that happening. I'm going to tell you that there's not a chance that that happens. There's not an Avengers chance against Thanos that that happens. <laughs> like, there's no way. There's no way that they're going to do it. So he's going to be rescued. There are some interesting ideas. I like kind of like, I think you laid it out perfectly, like from 
most likely to least likely. So what are your most likely scenarios there for, for Stark? So the most likely scenario, there's a shot in the trailer of, uh, of Nebula on the Benatar. You can match up shot for shot some, some, some shots from Guardians 2 and Infinity War. So she's on the Benatar with him. So they are able to kind of reconfigure or fix the ship. It would be a, an interesting callback to Tony in the cave in the original Iron Man film. Um, so whether that's him taking scrap parts from Nebula, which would be kind of savage, or if you know he realizes he's not alone and they work together, I don't know. Then the second most likely is Captain Marvel. That would be an interesting thing for her to, you know, for a way for her to reintroduce to the uh, to the universe as a whole. And then the other one, and probably my least likely, but there's a rumor going out that rescue Pepper Potts uh, would be the one to uh, rescue him. So that would be the other thing. So basically rescue is an Iron Man. It's Pepper Potts in an Iron Man suit with no weapons uh, who is there for search and rescue, which would be an interesting. I, I think we see rescue in this film, but I don't think it's this way. I think we see rescue helping clean up after the decimation. That would be what I would see. That'd be a very Pepper Potts thing to do if she's not pregnant, which is a whole nother conversation. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I, there's a part of me that that speech suggests to me that it is going to be rescue, uh, which I don't know how I feel about. But yeah, it's it's certainly it's certainly interesting. It's all going to seem very, um, very lucky and happenstance whenever it happens, I think, which I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to feel about all of that. We also have to talk about the board. You mentioned it in passing how Shuri was on the board, which appeared to be of missing a presumed dead Avengers. Yes. Which is interesting. Right after she's in that, on that board, we see Scott Lang, Mm -hmm. Ant-Man, who we know is not, does not take, was not snapped, was not decimated, I suppose would be the, what we have to use now. So perhaps that's just that she's missing or we don't know about her. We never actually saw her at the end of that movie. So that's that's an interesting one. And I think it's interesting that whenever right after Infinity War, the the Russo brothers were being asked about it and about like the characters and they would they would give like clear answers for Pepper like for Pepper Potts for instance they gave a they gave a clear answer yes she's still around. For Shuri they said we can't say that because it would give something away. So that's going to be interesting. I think that her and especially her her scientific expertise is going to play some role. So it'll be interesting to see what she does in be- in between that. So that that's really an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Yeah, and my, like, this would be a perfect time to do the Shuri as Black Panther thing that you see yeah. in the comics. So I don't see how else you do it. It's probably more than likely. If, if, they, if Shuri is actually snapped, which I don't think she is, I think she's just holed up in a lab in Wakanda somewhere, then if she isn't there, then it's got to be either Okoye or M'Baku because we know they're alive. Uh, for certain, we yeah. saw them at the end of the film. So that's so we'll I guess we'll jump now because you mentioned Scott Lang. So the the teaser kind of closes with Scott Lang screaming at a security camera trying to get led into the Avengers facility. Uh, we think it's the Avengers facility, or is it archive footage? Uh, what like we we know very clearly that there's going to be Scott Lang is going to play a big part as Ant Man. He was in the quantum realm, harnessing quantum healing energy. That's maybe part of the reason why he avoided the snap. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, It's supposed to be random, but whatever. So, like, he's going to play a big part, but 
Is it going to be him in the past giving them hints? Is it going to be him in the present taking them to the past? Like, I don't know what to make of that. See, it's interesting because one of the things you really thought after that, after the the stinger at the end of Ant-Man was how is he going to get out? Yeah. Because like they were all snapped on the other side of it. So I was going to get out of there. So him, like, we don't know where they were. They were like on top of a parking structure somewhere. So if that's a video of him getting into that parking structure, maybe, and they see it and they try to go back there and see what's happening and they find the van and he ends up getting sucked out of it. That would be interesting. It was a way for them to, to, to get together. It, um, Natasha, why can't I remember her name, right? Black Widow. Black yeah. Widow, thank you. Uh, she she says, her name is Natasha, right? Yeah, Natasha Romanoff. I thought so. I Is she in the new Romanoffs? I, Sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's a television show on Amazon Prime written by Matthew Weiner. I As soon as I thought tried to say her name, I go, wait a minute, is that a character from the Romanoffs? Because I've kind of been watching the Romanoffs. And I thought I was getting, I thought I was getting my pop culture mixed up. Early anyway, don't sleep so on Black it. Widow. They, uh, no, do sleep on it. But the... <laughs> But the, uh, but anyway, so yeah, so she, so she like says that, oh no, this is the front gate, blah, 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 blah. But like, we don't, it does, it's kind of like intentionally vague yeah. what she's saying. So I, I think that, I think there's a chance that they end up finding archival footage of him going up to the roof or going up to the top of a parking structure or whatever. And then they're the ones that pull him out. Like, that's kind of what I'm thinking is going to happen. Yeah. And you know, it could be the front gate. In 1983, which is something that else, because that facility's been there forever, because it's built it's built on the the army base from the original Cat film, so that could be a thing. Um, so they're they're straight galaxy brain. I know, right? So they are Cap and Natasha are going to be together, except when she goes to Japan to recruit Clint Barton, who is no longer Hawkeye, but very clearly. The man, the myth, the legend, Ronan. So yeah. that's going to be cool. And this has been anticipated for so long yeah. that it's kind of like, like that seems like something they wouldn't put in a teaser. But I think that everybody's guessed this for so long that they just went, all right, we'll just put it in the teaser. Well, Where's Hawkeye was like the biggest meme ever for, for Avengers yeah. Infinity War. So that, like you kind of have to, which honestly, it makes me feel like his introduction is going to be cooler because Natasha is very clearly watching him wipe blood off of his sword. So, yeah, which they edited out for the trailer because that's what you do. Uh, so that's going to be cool. So the backstory on Ronan in the comics, his family dies, goes off the deep end, starts killing people. So presumably all of the Bartons, and, his family was snapped. Yeah, yeah. All of the Bartons, including baby Barton gets snapped. And he snaps and starts killing folk, which, you know what? Give Jeremy Renner more to do because that guy's incredible. Uh, yeah, I mean, he actually probably would snap in real life. He'd go from flipping houses to, uh, <laughs> he to killing people with a terrible, terrible sword. Why is that his sword? Are we going to get something on that? I, it, it looks very like Maul Ninja's sword. I don't, I don't know. I have zero clue. I will promise you Keanu Reeves has... 7,000 better swords in his property on, on his person right now than that sword. Like that is that is, just call up Keanu and say, Hey man, I know you're doing John wick three. We need one of your swords <laughs> because like, that's, that's absurd that that's what they're going with. Yeah. I, I, I've got nothing there. Like he's got a regular Katana like in the comics. So I don't, I don't necessarily know. 
it's why does it need windbreaks? So here, here's the only thing is that they put the windbreaks in there because in the movie it's actually bloody, and so the wind. It was just the easiest way to edit it is that they just cut out those chunks of the sword. It's the only thing I can think of. Um, it's weird. Anywho, so we got that brief shot. We got a brief shot of Thor looking like he's about to rap battle somebody for the fate of the universe. Uh, so we got sad Thor. <laughs> Um, which is incredible that mom's spaghetti. Yeah. It's incredible that Anthony Mackie is also in this film because to make an eight mile reference, they could rap battle at the end. Uh, you know, it is, it's going to be great. So I'm excited for this. I just don't know what the heck to make of it. Like I, there's not a, like, like in typical Marvel fashion, they give you a teaser with very little meat on the bones and we go absolutely insane for it. Yeah, exactly. Like we've been talking about it now for how long? Like, Five minutes, Probably five to seven minutes. minutes. We would, I would have to look back at the time code, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a chunk for for certain for longer than the teaser. Yes, very. So, at least twice the amount of time that the teaser has run. Yeah, there's just a lot of stuff in there, and I mean, there's like obviously going to be a lot in this movie, and they didn't do us wrong with Infinity War, so there's no reason not to be excited about it. So yeah, I'm in. Let's let's bring it on, baby. Keep moving it up. I'm fine with that. The internet scuttle. Captain Marvel, Avengers, Avengers double feature. Let's do it. The internet scuttlebutt is that the initial cut of this film was three hours, and I would sit through every minute of that. Yeah, leave it to me. No, no, three hours. no two ways around it. Just stick it straight in my veins. Three hours. Let's do it. So, speaking of movies that we watched, I guess I don't know that how. felt th- that felt like they were three hours. This is gonna there's gonna be some smoke here. I I just anticipated. So, <laughs> uh, we are our of our schedule that we release to you when we stop doing this weekly for the time being. We said we'd come back into a Crimes of Grindelwald uh, episode. The Crimes of Grindelwald came out, what, three weeks ago or so? Four weeks ago? Yeah. So we saw it opening weekend together for our one time a year where we see a movie together. Maybe twice. We saw <laughs> we saw Blade Runner together this year, too. So We saw Ant-Man together. Did we? Yeah, we saw Ant-Man together at because uh, I bought that sweet Deadpool poster, remember? I do. Okay, so that's three. Wow. Hm. Okay. Okay, so, anywho, Raymond and I see movies infrequently together because we live eight hours apart, neither here nor there. So, we saw Crabs of Grindelwald with our friends and spouses and whatnot, and so we figured since we're here, we might as well talk about it briefly. Ray and I have differing opinions on this film. So, Ray, what did what did you think of, of the hotly anticipated, possibly unnecessary Crabs of Grindelwald? Absolutely terrible. Just an awful movie. Like, not even there, – there's not much redeeming about this movie. It's really, really bad. Like, it's – like, it is, like, objectively a bad movie. And the reason it's objectively a bad movie is because they didn't do any of the things a movie is supposed to do. Like, you know, develop characters and have you interested in their fates and have characters do things that make sense based on the development that you've done in previous installments of the series. Or have you care at all when a when a character makes a sacrifice? It was absurd. It was just a jump from set piece to set piece. It was exactly what Harry Potter wasn't. And that they just decided for some reason to make it a Michael Bay movie instead of actually make it like a real and proper movie with good writing and development of characters. And I don't understand why. And the argument you're about to make to me, I know what it is, is that it's a setup movie. But in order for it to be a setup movie, it has to actually set up the characters. And we don't know anything more about any of these characters than we did whenever we walked into the movie. It's just, it was a travesty. It was really, really bad. And I, I'm very disappointed by it. 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue that this was a good film. I'm not gonna argue that. I'm that is not where I'm I'm at. This movie proves that J.K. Rowling is an author, not a screenwriter, is the first Facts. thing that comes out of this movie. <laughs> Facts. But what I will say is for two hours, I was pretty entertained. Like I had I had a good time with the movie. I was entertained. I had always wanted to see big magic on a big scale, even in the big climactic fight. Of Harry of, of the Harry Potter series, there wasn't a ton of big magic. It was basically just sparklers pointed at each other. There wasn't a t- so like I liked seeing the Paris try to be destroyed. I liked all that. I thought that was cool. Um, and yeah, it was a setup movie. And there were I'll, I'll say this: the movie that Jude Law was making was really really good. Like I, everything that Jude Law did was incredible, and I think he's I agree, perfectly yeah. cast. I loved that his back and forth with um, with Newt Scamander was funny. The line "Were there any? Uh, were there? Were all of the inconspicuous rooftops in in London taken?" Like I still <laughs> laugh about that. Um, so there was a lot here I liked. This was a movie that could have been solved by a brief post-it note. Uh, yep. <laughs> so that to me obviously is not the mark of a good film, but. Like I said, I enjoyed it. It is there to set up the third film, which J.K. Rowling described as let me let me see if I can get it correctly. So, she said answers will be given or something yeah, like answers that. Answers are given. Answers are answers are given. Great. Um you wouldn't have to answer anything if you hadn't made an absurd movie. So here's the thing. I'm gonna go point by point. I agree there with Dumbledore a lot. But you mentioned like the fun and to see that big magic. There are two problems with that. One, that type of big magic is not canon in any discernible way. Like, you have to be, like, the the strongest wizard. And I guess Grindelwald was the one doing a lot of it, and so that's fine. But he even produced that level of magic. Like, the only time we see that level of magic is when Voldemort and Dumbledore are dueling in the Mindustry. Like, and it wasn't even magic on that level. And so to be able to see that, I guess maybe when they put up the barriers, maybe with the Patronus against the Dementors, but to see that level of magic was just like, and then everybody was just like, okay with it. Like, it was just like, it was weird. The Him escaping with the carriage was just the most let down scene of all time. Like the sound wasn't right. The action was weird. Like if, even if they just wanted to make a Michael Bay movie, even if they wanted to make Bad Boys 4 and, and turn it into Harry Potter's universe, they failed at that too. Like because the because the action just wasn't good. So so counterpoint counterpoint to yeah. the big magic thing. So Grindelwald canonically is the third second or third sure. most powerful wizard of all times. You've got you know you've got Dumbledore, you've got Voldemort, of recent times. yeah, and and you've got yeah. Grindelwald. And so it took like what seven people to counteract one spell from him. So like you've got sure. that like that to me felt fine. Um, Nicholas Flamel was the weirdest thing in the world. I didn't like the Nicholas I have no Flamel idea what thing. That was about. Yeah, that was super weird. It literally could have been anybody. What is the book? Why, why? How does he just randomly have a book with people in it? And why didn't they mention anything about it? Like it was like they go into this like they go into this like eight minute uh, like dialogue about Lita Lestrange, in which we know that it's, we're supposed to explain everything we care about her. But, like, she's talked, like, three seconds in that entire movie before that entire exchange, and we're supposed to care about it. Queenie's off doing something nuts that, like, is so far and away from the character that we met in the first one. Queenie's just gone absolutely crazy. And, by the way, Tina doesn't seem to even care. Like, it's just... It's absurd. The whole thing is absurd. I just... I. I thought it was bad. And I thought they should have spent like 45 minutes on the characters 
and then that would have been a fine. But the fact that they decided to spend that on blue and red smoke for whatever fire for whatever reason, just it it bothered me. I thought it was not good, and they have a lot of work to do to reel me back in now. You're gonna see the next one, so that's. I'm gonna see it, but I'm gonna go in with a. <laughs> I'm gonna go in with a tilted view. Okay, I'll allow it, and and I think they they have a little bit of work. Like they they tried to do what Two Towers did successfully, which is like yeah. get all the pieces in the right position for the big climactic finale. I will say one of the things that I think people aren't keeping in mind is that a lot of your emotional resonance with the original Harry Potter films are because we grew up reading the books, a lot of us. And so there are times where perfect example, Dobby's death, spoiler alert for a 10 year old movie that resonates with you emotionally because you have the emotional baggage from the book, not the 15 minutes of screen time you actually got with Dobby over three films. But that's not true because I didn't read the books. I still haven't read the books because I'm just that's I don't read fiction. It's just not my thing, right? I read nonfiction and I watch fiction on screens. So I I never read the books and Dobby's hit because the 15 minutes they spent with Dobby were impactful. Like that's the thing. Like Dobby, this 15 minutes they spent with the sock that was that was that was an impactful moment in Harry's life. Him saying, "Don't ever try to save me again," and then when he tries to save him again, him getting killed. That's impactful. So, like, Dobby hit me hard because it might have only been 15 minutes, but it was a good 15 minutes. It wasn't just Lita randomly leering at Newt in a hallway. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was – I don't know. I disagree. Well, we, we're going to have to disagree. So that brings sure, us – fair enough. That brings us to – I'm right, but we can disagree. You know, Raymond, Kyle apologized to me on a podcast for the first time in our lives. So uh, maybe we'll – What? Yeah, Kyle apologized <laughs> for the first time in, like, 15 years uh, on last night's – podcast so that was fun uh i'm gonna have to go listen because i do not believe you <laughs> he apologized not to me one of our listeners who are vastly more important than i uh, but it happened so now that brings us to the part of the show your favorite segment my favorite segment your grandmother's favorite segment don't sleep on it so ray what can good folks not sleep on this week well i always need i always need something on the tv when i'm working and one of the things that's been lately has been overwatch contenders which is the rung below overwatch league Overwatch League comes back in January, I believe. But Overwatch Contenders has been, like, it's basically on all the time because they have they have Pacific, they have Australia, they have Europe. Like, they have so many different ranges. North America is actually on right now as we're recording this podcast, so I'll turn it back on once we're done. So, and it's just, uh, I mean, I, I wasn't really ever big on watching Overwatch. And then I kind of got into the game and understood the mechanics more. And I, I've really kind of, it's probably my second favorite game to watch now behind, behind Counter-Strike uh, Global Offensive. So I am, yeah, I'm all in on it. And like I said, if you need something to watch during the day, during the week, like uh, Overwatch Contenders is probably on somewhere. So yeah, I like it. This coming from a man who used to give me grief about watching esports now is... I, no, 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 hold on. I gave you grief about watching Street Fighter. Which I still will give you grief about. Hey, I like it. It's fun, and they, Fair enough. they scream a lot. So that's fun for me. That, uh, that, that, that they do. <laughs> they, they do indeed scream a lot. Profanities aside. So uh, my, my don't sleep on it is a very, very old show, but I have been falling back in love with it. So in our break, something incredible happened. Uh, I spent years and years trying to find this on a streaming service. And then, out of nowhere, Hulu got the rights to King of the Hill. And I have been diving back in on King of the Hill and I 
like, if you don't like King of the Hill, then I don't know if we can be friends. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's so witty and it's so like at the time it wasn't, it was like slightly progressive and now based upon the current social and political climate, it is now very, very progressive. Um, and it's just an interesting like subject. It's just an interesting kind of character study of a, a old school personality dealing with the changing ways of the world. And how does that happen? Do we cling to our you know, ideals? Or do we lean into the change that's literally moving in right next door to us? So that like, plus it's just laugh out loud funny. There are moments where I have to pause because I'm laughing so hard. And it's also become like Raymond, the show that I kind of have on in the background while I'm writing. Because it's, I know the show inside and out. I can quote it. You know, you all want to get some pass on pay. Like the, I could, I could quote that all day. Um, it's just such a good show. So if you got Hulu, you're paying for it already. Give it a couple of episodes. There are some weird, um, there's some, there's, there's some things that you could peg as um, reflections of our current political climate. I'll just say that and leave it there. But King of the Hill, check it out. I love it. They've got like 15 seasons of just high quality work. Do you know the one that I'm actually doing right now that I'm going back through that I hadn't watched in a while is Community. And Community still is top flight. Like, it is it is spectacular what that show, at least for the first three or four seasons, that show is, it was as good as television gets for sure. And that's the show that, that it you worry about sitcoms becoming dated. And it yeah. seems like in a lot of ways, like I'm going back and watching 30 rock with my wife and 30 rock is all pop culture references and all current yeah. events references. So there are like Carl Rove jokes in the first few seasons. And I'm just like that, that is a joke that does not have legs because my kid's never going to know who Carl Rove is. It's, community does not fall into that trap and it's just incredible, but that's all we've got for you this week. Ray, where can the good folks find you on the internet? I am on Twitter at RM Summerlin. You can also find me on podcast form in the Rotor World Football Podcast if you're into that sort of thing. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. You can follow us, the show, on Twitter at Two Woke Nerds. And you can also check me out on Burnt Orange Nation where I write about the Texas Longhorns. You can check me out on the Longhorn Republic Podcast every Tuesday. Thank you guys so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, stay woke. Stay woke.